Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Good afternoon, friends. Uh, this is the second part of the Sakathapaganga Sutta. Uh, Jennifer did a wonderful teaching this morning. And again, I, like I said, she did the heavy lifting. Uh, just um, like to take a moment to mention that this retreat, like all of our retreats, has been, has been wonderful. It, it's been an appropriate way to step away from the world. The events of the day, the distractions of our lives, our daily responsibilities for a few hours, and enter into a deeper experience with the Buddha, a deeper experience with the Dhamma, these four noble truths, and of course, a deeper experience with the Sangha. The Sangha is well focused on the study of the Dhamma, these four noble truths. This points to right intention. Everything always points back to the four noble truths. Sangha is supportive, and John wanted us to speak a little bit about right speech. We didn't quite get to it, but the use of right speech has been evident throughout this retreat, yeah. as well as every class I've ever attended. The speech is never divisive or abusive. There is no envy or judgment. Yeah. Go to any boardwood room or break or street corner or gas pump or dinner table today, that right speech is not easily observed. Yeah. This sangha is patient and thoughtful. We learn from each other. We're inspired by the person sitting next to us. This sangha reflects the teaching of the Buddha. Yeah. That's my sales pitch for the Cross River yeah. Meditation Center. Beautifully said, David. Uh, it means a, a lot to me, so I'm protective of it. So... Let's move on to the teaching. As always stated by John, everything the Buddha taught was taught in the context of dependent origination. That ongoing stress, suffering, and distraction that results from ignorance of the four noble truths. Just a moment to reset the scene. The Buddha initially is addressing the monks that were present that day. The Buddha stated, friends, it was here I set in motion the unexcelled wheel of Dhamma. My Dhamma cannot be stopped by any Brahmin, Deva, Mara, Brahma, or anyone else in the world. The declaration, teaching, description, setting forth, revelation, explanation, and making plain of the Four Noble Truths. Then later, before the Buddha left, he states, Sariputta is able to declare, teach, describe, set forth, reveal, explain, and make plain the Four Noble Truths in detail. The Buddha has made clear to the assembled Sangha that this wise man of humble nature could teach his Dhamma. Sariputta was trusted with presenting the Buddha's truths as they were uh, intended. The statement by the Buddha is an absolute endorsement of Sariputta and an indication of confidence he had in his chief disciple. <clears throat> The importance of the Sutta, of course, is the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. 
and we'll get to that shortly, of equal importance, and I noticed this in John's introduction, was the importance in choosing of a teacher. Here's a little bonus teaching from the Buddha. It's a small portion of a Dhamma teaching to drive home the point that this is of most importance of a teacher and their intent. And this involves Sariputta and Moglana. They went to meet with their former teacher, Sanjaya, who had refused to join the Buddha as a disciple after being told of him by his former students. Sanjaya said, having been a teacher to so many pupils, for me to become a pupil would be like a jar becoming a drinking cup. Besides, only a few people are wise. The majority are foolish. Let the wise go to the wise Gautama. The foolish will still come to me. The Buddha's response, Sanjaya's false pride and greed was preventing him from seeing truth as truth. He was seeing untruth as truth and will never arrive at the real truth. John could not have picked four people more wisely. Uh, the four teachers are compassionate, good storytellers, knowledgeable and kind. Simply put, these five teachers, including John, are able to teach, describe, set forth, reveal, and make plain the four noble truths. They are Sariputta, Imogalana, and Kema, the Buddha's first chief female disciple. These teachers that we have are uh, Ananda. They are also Tessa and Bahia. And at the same time, they are all Kananda. Most importantly, they are themselves. They teach the truth as truth. The analysis of the Four Noble Truths. Venerable Sariputta continues with his analysis. And what, friends, is a noble truth of sensation of stress? The renunciation, the relinquishment, the release, the letting go, the remainderless fading away, and the complete sensation of craving. This is called the noble truth of sensation of stress. I'm going to read that again. And what, friends, is the noble truth of sensation of stress? And listen to the words. Becky, you taught us that today. Words mean something. The renunciation, the relinquishment, the release, the letting go, the remainderless fading away, and the complete sensation of craving. Cessation. Cessation. It's just like the note, that's it for the third noble truth. Those 40 words take about 45 seconds. And I went back and looked at John's teachings of this, and that's what it is. Uh, but there's so much more. Again, words matter. We're being asked to understand the problem and the cause, and we want to run to that eightfold path. But understanding that third noble truth, we're being asked to abandon all forms of sensual craving at the point of contact, craving for becoming, craving for non-becoming. It's not just the coarser sensual cravings, but the subtle cravings as well. The subtle cravings that are almost not noticed, but for the background feeling of not being satisfied. When the desire of that object, feeling, belief, or fabrication 
runs into the truth of impermanence and is no longer desirable until it is again. We hold on to this bundle of aggregates and that's our story. The craving of us to be heard, to be relevant, to be respected, to be loved, to be safe in our village, in our huts, with our coconuts. <laughs> Not all the coconuts, but more than my neighbor. But I want my neighbor to know that. And as Matt taught us at a early retreat, this is not me. This is not mine. This is not who we are. Because of the impermanence and our misunderstanding of it, we cling to this false self that only brings suffering. It is our craving for craving that is more powerful than the craving for the objects we crave. All craving is rooted in ignorance of the four noble truths. Mm -hmm. We are also in the wrong view if we try to adapt, modify, or embellish these four noble truths, including the often overlooked third noble truth. A disciple in wrong view will also be in wrong intention, wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, wrong effort, wrong mindfulness, and wrong meditation. It takes the entire Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path to get to right view. All craving is to be abandoned. The Fourth Noble Truth, this is what we're all here for. This is, this is the how-to. Sarah Pruda continues with this analysis. And what is the Noble Truth of the path of the Dhamma practice that leads directly to the sensation of stress? this noble eightfold path. It's the training of the mind to think of what we want when we want to think it, always pointing toward right view, always toward the cessation of stress. Always keep that in mind. Everything always points back to the cessation of stress. And again, we separate these into convenient buckets, the wisdom factors, the virtuous factors, the concentration factors, but it's not linear and it's not one through eight. It's a total package without one. The others will, the others will be faltered and not understood. Yeah. And keep in mind that we are always pointing toward understanding that first noble truth, but the wisdom factors, the first one, and again, we've gone over this all weekend, but it's always good to hear it over and over again. Right view is the knowledge with regards to stress, knowledge with regards to the origination of stress, knowledge with regards to the sensation of stress, knowledge with regard to the Eightfold Path, practice leading to the cessation of stress. This is right view. That's all four noble truths. So everything we do always points back to right view. Is everything you're doing pointing toward that and developing that. Without that, you may be doing something peaceful and calming and positive, but it will not bring the cessation of stress. Right intention. Right intention is maintaining mindfulness of the intention of, of renunciation, for freedom from ill will, for harmlessness, for cessation sensation cessation sorry this is right intention and again 
Buddha keeps over and over again looping back toward previous noble truths, always leading toward understanding the virtuous factors. Right speech. Right speech is abstaining from lying, abstaining from divisive speech, abstaining from abusive speech, abstaining from gossip and idle chatter. This is right speech. This obviously is the one that we all can kind of lean toward early in our practice. We start seeing changes. We start noticing when we're not in right speech. And obviously we've had a whole retreat based on that. My best teaching ever was when I was not in right speech mm-hmm. and teacher Matt did not chide me, did not censor me. He taught me. So is that speech beneficial? Is it timely? Those are things that you need to think about when you're in a conversation out in the world. Does that conversation need your input? Is it even really your idea? Is it really something that has to be added or can it wait? And Josh, you've shown us that that wise restraint, you, you calm that, that situation and that man didn't even know you calmed it because of your wise restraint. You, you chose noble silence and that's what the practice is all about. Right livelihood or right action is abstaining from taking life, abstaining from stealing, abstaining from sexual misconduct. This is right action. Right livelihood. Right livelihood is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones has abandoned dishonest livelihood and provides themselves with honesty. This is right livelihood. Concentration factors. Well, these are here so we can develop concentration so clarity and insight of the three marks of existence can take place. With that, again, you're always heading back toward right view, right view and understanding. We're not trying to eliminate suffering. We're trying to understand it and take our personal luggage out of there so we can accept aging, death gracefully so we can understand what our contribution is to the suffering that we experience inside. So right effort is the first concentration factor. Right effort is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones internally generates the skillful desire who is persistent, who remains mindful of their intent for non-arising of skillful qualities that have yet to be, that have yet arisen, who remain mindful of their intent for abandoning unskillful qualities that have arisen. Again, Words are important. It's, go back and read those words. It's not just something that's arisen, but have yet to arisen. Saraputta continues, who remain mindful of their intent for abandoning unskillful qualities that have arisen? Who remain mindful of maintaining non-confusion and for increasing developing and the culmination of skillful qualities that have yet arisen? This is right effort. 
when we think of right effort, we think of going to class and sitting, trying to be kind. But when you read this, it's always funneling back toward right view and understanding. Right mindfulness. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the body in and of itself while remaining ardent, alert, mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when a disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of feelings in and of themselves while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the thoughts in and of themselves while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress in reference to the world. And finally, right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the present quality of mind in and of itself while remaining ardent, alert, mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Of course, that's the four foundations of mindfulness. I know John always points out the the main one, but I always enjoyed reading Anapanasati Sutta because again, it points toward him recognizing a well-focused Sangha and uh, that was very helpful for me uh, to teach me how to act in the Sangha. But again, it also covers the four foundations. And David, if I could just mention that reference to phenomena, seeing phenomena in and of itself simply means just that. We don't, there's no um, embellishment. It's just whatever is arising is what's arising without me attaching uh, any need for whatever it is to be any different. It's just in and of itself. And that's how we see ourselves ultimately. We're just, this yeah, is what we are. I, I loved your explanation of that uh, recently. It's just, you know, those words we fly by and mm-hmm. not quite understand. And you know, your explanation really helped. Uh, so thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> right meditation. Right meditation is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones has established seclusion from sensuality and unskillful mental qualities. They enter and remain in the first jhana. This first jhana is experienced as rapture born of that seclusion, is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. And I I just love Meg's question about directed thought and evaluation and the conversations that took place. And again, amazing uh, Sangha contributions to, you know, kick conversations off. Uh, but equally I love is John's comments. So I included these. I didn't want to take them out and try to, you know, do this by myself. So the first John is simply the initial pleasant calming that occurs from taking refuge in seclusion and becoming mindful of the breath in the body. The venerable Saraputta continues. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depend on the second jhana which is the stilling of directed thought and evaluation. This second jhana is experienced as rapture and pleasure born of concentration. Free of directed thought and evaluation, the joy of concentration permeates 
the entire mind and body. And John's comments are, the second jhana is a deepening awareness of the mind common in the body as a point of concentration. And again, John has mentioned this often and through this weekend, we all experience the first and second jhana. We go in and out of it. It arises and passes away. We want it to stay, but as our practice deepens, we just come to realize that it's just impermanent and we're just there to be aware. And that's where that building of that concentration that allows you to start seeing things and observing things without judging it. Sarah Puta continues. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements, which are greed, hate, and delusion, depend on the third jhana, which is the fading of rapture. They remain equanimous, mindful, alert, sensitive to pleasure. With the fading of rapture, this pleasant abiding permeates the entire mind and body. Again, John's comments. This third jhana is characterized by the stilling of directed thought and evaluation and now able to experience this subtle pleasure of the mind calmly united with the body. This pleasant abiding free of comparison to what is no longer present. Saraputta continues. Furthermore, the ending of the, of the defilements depends on the fourth jhana, which is the abandoning of evaluation. They enter and remain in the fourth jhana, which is pure equanimity and mindful being pure neither pleasure nor pain is seen they sit permeated in mind and body with pure bright awareness the fourth jhana is a pleasant abiding this is right meditation john's comments this fourth jhana is simply a deepening level of concentration and resulting pleasant abiding that remains at peace no matter what arises this pleasant abiding is defining characteristic of a well-concentrated mind having integrated the Eightfold Path. Saraputta continues, This is the noble truth of the Eightfold Path of practice that leads directly to the cessation of stress. Friends, it was here that the Tathagata set in motion the unexcelled wheel of Dhamma. The Dhamma cannot be corrupted by any Brahman, Deva, Mara, Brahma, or anyone in the entire world. No one can corrupt the revelation, declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teachings of the Four Noble Truths. This is what the Venerable Saraputta said. Gratified, those in attendance were delighted in Venerable Saraputta's words. That's the end of the sutta. Ah. Uh. This, I guess I'm, I think I've said this now for the fifth time, but that was after each teacher, but that was really incredible, David. Your, um, your depth of understanding, uh, it really is remarkable. You know, it, it, it uh, again, there's something else we've said a few times. The Dhamma is very simple, but it's also very nuanced and very deep. Um, and you and all the other teachers have really 
gone to the depths of the Dhamma this weekend. It's just, it's just remarkable. So thank you, David. Thank you, John, for asking. That was all the teachers said. <laughs> Let's get David to fill this out. So. Well, I will go around the room. Let's start with my friend Becky. Well, David, that was, I guess I'll say brilliant again. <laughs> um, thank you. You made it very clear. Um, and you sort of brought me through those four jhanas uh, in a way that I haven't really sort of felt them as you were describing them. And I began to realize that, yeah, that has happened to me. I have been there because of the way you described it. And you, you were slow and your voice was so distinct and, and precise. And um, the words were there and they were, they were clear. You did an excellent job. And I, I real and the, the, the idea that it's so circular, the idea, I mean, the Buddha writes everything down by number, which leads you to believe that it's in this retreat. That's one of the things we've talked about that came through clearly in the way you described it, that it is circular, that when we are in meditation, we're moving back and forth. We're kind of moving back and forth and we get to one place and we want to stay there. And then we realize that we can't stay there because that's impermanent. And to know, you know, to know that it, it's okay to move back and forth. I mean, sometimes you try to do it by the rules or something and it's just, it just doesn't work. So, so thank you for bringing that home to me, making that much clearer and making me realize that what's happening to me during meditation is just fine. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Josh. Thank you, David. It was wonderful. I I uh, was just thinking when you on the suitor when he starts talking about setting the wheel in motion, how appropriate that is in in the Dhamma in terms of it's kind of an infinite spinning of the wheel. Both. Come back to, uh, over and over again, and in the way you presented the the four noble truths, it's kind of how I kind of do in kind of meditation. My mind just kind of keeps spinning around and around, and coming back to my breathing. And uh, uh, this has just been a wonderful weekend and, and uh, 
again, I thank you, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time in noble silence. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Teacher Ram. Ah, thank you, David. Um, yeah, you said that Jen did the heavy lifting here, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, there's plenty of heavy lifting on your side as well. Um, there was a lot, because it's, especially the, the Third Noble Truth is such a short um, section, um, it takes quite a bit of effort and concentration to, to unpack that. To really set that right, because it's it's easily glossed over. Um, so I appreciate what you did. I specifically uh, liked your your comments in the beginning. Uh, they were they were very enlightening, and uh, I appreciate how that you set out your your views in here, your 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 take on. Uh, on the teaching job too. Um, so um, welcome to the club and uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, we'll, uh, I hope to hear much more from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Ram. I, I, I tried to fashion my teaching around the three refuges and the three duels. And obviously teachers are represented by the Buddha and, you know, the Buddha showed confidence in Sariputta and obviously the Sangha and then there's the teachings. So you can't go wrong with that approach. So that's how I did it. <laughs> Karen, are you there? Yeah. Hello. Hello, David, everybody. David, it was lovely to hear you. Um, I like the way you kept referring to pay attention to the words, you know, pay attention to each word, not, not to gloss over or to get yourself overcomplicated with, with uh, the words, but just don't let anything slip by because it's all important. Um, so I thank you for that. And I also appreciate that you referred back to John's words after you had your own, uh, uh, say on, on the noble truth that you, you always referred back to him. It was, it was very, uh, I thought very respectful and, um, kind of you to do that. But honestly, um, since I've been coming around, David, I always, thought that you had, um, you were often quiet, quieter than others in the Sangha, you know, at the retreats, I'm referring to the retreats in particular, but when you did speak, you were always, in my mind, very profound. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Karen. you, Karen. Uh, I am not a natural public speaker obviously, but uh, and I'm not a joiner of clubs, and but this is a club I enjoy being in because I believe in the Four Noble Truths, and more importantly, I believe in our Sangha, so thank you. Thank you.
Hello, Jane, my friend. Oh, David, you know, I got, first got to know you at the first retreat I went to, and uh, we talked about the Dharma for a while. And even after that first meeting, I said to myself, David gets it. I mean, it was just so obvious to me that, you know, your understanding of the Dharma. Um, so I appreciate that you taught today. Um, when I listen to the description of the Eightfold Path, I keep thinking how the Buddha really wanted us to succeed because he could have awakened and just said, you know, I got it. You need wisdom, virtue, and concentration. Yeah. And he could have left it up to us to, you know, navigate our way. You know, what does that mean? But the detail that is there, you know, shows me that he really wanted us to succeed. Yeah. And I, I think John often asks, he said, you know, uh, do you think you can awaken? And you know, when you look at the, the Eightfold Path, you have to say to yourself, yeah, it's possible. I just haven't done it yet. I think the word yet that you used, you know, it's possible. So thank you very much. Why Thanks, not? Jane. Why can't we? Why can't we? Yeah. It's just not yet. And to be on the path, not to be on the path, you wouldn't even know the possibilities being in this group and listening to everyone's stories. And we go around the room, every class and you see it, you see that people believe it. People aren't just here to uh, be a better person that they get it. Now they, they realize that sensation of suffering is possible. Yeah. And so it, thank you. And in the in the way that we operate our sangha, meaning that we have we have these discussions, the the, the sangha discussions to me are as important to our own awakening as the suttas themselves, uh, and it and it's because of that because we're we're talking about our own experience in developing the dharma, and that that simply supports everyone else. And it's a, David mentioned the the uh, triple refuge, that's another perfect example of it, isn't it? That we understand that even correctly, that the, the Buddha was a human being. And so we're taking refuge in the, in the understanding that a human being did this. And with that understanding, then I can too. When we elevate the Buddha to godlike status, that's all lost. And there's no, there's no real refuge there, is there? So it's so important to see things the way, the way they're intended, the way the Buddha taught them. This is... Can I just say something? Yeah. <laughs> Even, even if we don't awaken, just being on the path and being with the Sangha and getting the, the degrees of stress relief and the glimpses of what it would be like to be awakened makes your life so much, so much better yeah. that... Um, the journey is just worth it, even yeah. if the end is never reached. It's, it's just knowing that you have that support and that it's possible that makes every day easier and, and more auspicious. Yeah. So. Thank you. Hello, Jen. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, Jen. Um, thank you, David. 
Um, I can, I mean, you spent some real time and energy putting those words together. I, that came through to me that you really thought through what you wanted to say and what you wanted to bring and how you wanted to allow the Dhamma to speak through you. And that really, really came through. So thank you for that. And your words moved me. I heard them. I appreciated them. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Um, I do want to say one other thing. My, my husband was listening to my talk this morning and, you know, uh, you know, Sarah Puta stayed true to form. Definitely. I think hooked him <laughs> now he's, he's, he can't, of course now he's cause he's got other things to do, but he's looking very forward to listening to your talk and I can't wait for him to hear it oh. because you knocked it out of the park. So. Thank you for that, too. That's great. Thank you, Jim. Um, Ms. Allen, any thoughts? <laughs> well, Mr. Allen, um, <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of different emotions. Um, I feel clarity in the way that you taught. Uh, Jen is right. Your thoughtfulness your loving kindness uh, toward the Dhamma, the Sangha, and everybody in the Sangha, you know, was felt. And that's an amazing thing for someone to put that kind of uh, vulnerability out there. I mean, not that that isn't something we don't do in the Sangha. We know we can do that, but that is you know, so refreshing and um, the emphasis on the choice of words, the words that the Buddha uses, you know, are all important and intentional and good examples for us to live by. Um, and then, of course, I'm just so happy for you that you found this that it meant something to you and that you joined the Sangha and you know it wasn't too long after you joined the Sangha that you were like that like Ananda you know sitting next to the Buddha and as you have for the I don't know 40 something years that I've known you um you speak when you have something to say and that was definitely uh, on view today. So just so very happy to see the Dhamma moving through another person and the fact that it's you. <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm just so happy for you, David. Thank you. You know, it, it has to be noted here that um, this is just such another great example of how being an example of the Dhamma can heal the world because Mary was coming for a couple of years, weren't you before? 
and it was I'm sure it was your example to David just just from your own practice that got him interested and you know look look what's transpired yeah that, it's just such a great example of how how this works in in a in a community as well meaning the community of your family it, it's you know we're again I mean, I'm not probably not describing this well but we're all benefiting from David's teaching but David wouldn't be teaching us today if you didn't take to the Dhamma Mary and, and practice it through your own right effort. And again, this is just this is the this is the flow of of the Dhamma. This is the flow of of true uh, direct knowledge and profound wisdom. That's all. Thank you, Mary. Hello, Tom. Hello, hi everyone. Um... Thanks for the teaching. Um, I, um, I some occasionally it pops into my head. I feel a bit like a gate crasher because I haven't been able to attend a lot of the other sessions um, on this weekend. Um, although I'm knowing you, some of you by now, I'm sure you don't see it that way. But um, but I'm yeah, I'm just really grateful to be able to join. Um, and you know, I think I think just it's it's really become i mean talking again about gratitude and about sort of um the the, the opportunity uh, and how grateful we are i mean it's really become north north star so to speak uh, and i feel sometimes i i literally i do kind of have to pinch myself i, I feel so lucky to be part of this anger even if i'm I joined it so randomly right and i'm on the other side of the world and yet i just uh, really value the opportunity to to listen to connect and to um uh you know to keep keep on track keep sort of swimming in the right direction thanks to the simplicity um and yet the depth of of the teachings so yeah that's all i really have to say uh right now but thank you very much david and thanks everyone well, yeah, the support and, and hopefully the blossoming friendships. Yeah. And it also should be noted here that, that Tom has been the, the great inspiration for our Thursday uh, class or Sangha. And that's, that. I think we had 12 or 14 folks online last Thursday too. And that's for you, Tom. And you're, you're taking to the authentic Dhamma and sharing it so uh, freely as you do. And, and John, that's Thursdays at two or two fifteen. Uh, it, it 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 starts at two fifteen. I open the room up at two. Okay. I was stuttering a little bit because I was I, I may change it to opening the room at quarter to two, but we'll see how that goes. Right now, it, it you know try to get in on by two fifteen, but two o'clock is better. All right, great. Laura, hello. Hello. Hey, Maura. Bearer of macadamia milk. <laughs> That's right. So, um, glad you could join us. I'm glad I can be here. And I, I just, I know I mentioned that before, but I can't say it again that, 
um, when I first met you, uh, you brought back macadamia milk um, for me to try um, as a, because it was high fat content to making <laughs> in the coffee. Um, but, I always look for kindred spirits. <laughs> so, um, but in that small, I, like, I mean, I think we all know this in our lives, but it's those little gestures that speak volumes about a person's ability to see another and see what's needed. And we're often not seen in such small ways. Um, and I, I remember count, no, there's not countless. There's a few of those examples in my life. And that for some reason that macadamia nut milk really touched my heart. Um, and it, it, um, it helped, um, I mean, uh, it's kind of silly, but it just really spoke volumes to me about you as a person and really um, solidified my bond to you um, and wanted me to um, really just get to know you more. So um, I, it's never, never discount the small acts of listening and paying attention to another, right? Uh, and I was going to just make brief because I don't think there's anything that I can add. I think I would probably be able to speak for everyone here that that opening, um, again, cut to the core like nothing else. And um, I don't think I could, I almost really didn't recover after that. So um, it was, uh, really so thoughtful and meaningful and carefully chosen and circling back on the themes of mm. words matter and they're all important and you were a, an excellent example of that i on the other hand <laughs> um but it, it shows me um you lead a path in that direction and um I really loved the craving for craving um, was some of the descriptions. I just like, again, I can't wait to go back and listen to this talk again, the whole retreat. I think I did. It, it's just was so, so deeply meaningful. I don't think there's anything else that even comes close to it. Um, such a yeah. inspiring talk clarity. And um, there's a lot in that stinking third noble truth. So uh, it's, uh, it, it's, but um, it, you, you made it very clear, like the Buddha did, did not mince words. There is action to be done. Um, so I just, um, I'm so grateful I was here to hear you because I didn't think I was going to make the one o'clock yet. Thank you. Glad you made it. Teacher Kevin. David, uh, well, thank you so much for that. Uh, since one of our other teachers isn't here, I know him pretty well. I, I may, may speak a little for both of us. Um, you know, we've shared some talks on the fairways and you've, you've come up and, you know, since we've known you and I've known you, you know, your humility 
has just been evident and you know your your right effort is is to be commended i mean if, for those of the for those of you who don't know david and mary live more than an hour away and and they would they drive every week to the sangha sometimes separately after work and talk about an inspiration um you know that and you know like like, like others have said you're you're embodiment of right speech has been evident since you've been coming to the Sangha and that's that's been an inspiration to to those of us that like to talk uh, and it's just an inspiration so um, you know that Saraputta Sutta that I've been fortunate enough to present and you know it seems that you you and I take a liking to that when he talks about sensitivity and your sensitivity to the to the intricacies of the Dhamma is to be really noted and you know i can learn from that and i know matt has mentioned that and all of us can so i'm really excited to see you know your development as a teacher and and how you found your voice in the dhamma and how you've expressed your right effort and trying again that you can't read it you just gotta gotta let it go and that that's so wonderful about the third noble truth there's the cessation you let it all go and uh you know you you i think i can recall back you you your insight and experience into the four states of jhana maybe a year or two ago is probably what helped break through for me personally. So, you know, it's just going to be great to have you teaching along with the rest of us. And I hope to see uh, what, what, you know, you, you come up with on some of those intricate suttas because you're so good at that. And uh, thank you just so much for a jewel of teaching, David. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Julia. Hello. Hello. Uh, thank you, David, very much. Thank you for um, the way you, your manner of delivering the, uh, the, the sutta. Uh, you have a very calm and peaceful disposition. You can tell that you're a very calm human being. <laughs> I really enjoy. I really enjoyed it. You really imparted that type of peace. Um, the thing that I, I recognize from from all the, the readings and all the suttas is that. We need to understand phenomena, and that phenomena is uh, what our mind sees as attractive or averts, like an aversion. And we, each one of us, creates our own stress and suffering. Um, and that all we have to do is really let it go. Um, you, you made it obvious when you read these words, and I really like them. Um, of the sutta where it says what is the noble truth that the cessation of stress it's a renunciation relinquishment the release the letting go complete cessation of craving and um i i i love those those words they're very powerful and potent and i started to think about that and i said yeah that's true it's kind of like when like i all of a sudden i saw myself in the ocean and uh thrashing about trying to trying to stay alive and I, I realized that, well, when you let go and you finally stop doing that, you just release yourself from from trying to save yourself, you float, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, I don't know why, but it just, that kind of imagery just came to my mind when you were reading those words. And I said, you know what? That's probably what it is. It's like, you know, trying to carry all these things, you know, and, and, and all these identities that we're trying to create permanent self. Well, when you finally let them go, you finally feel like, 
uh, you know, release, you know, and, and freedom finally. So I imagine that's probably liberation. And so, um, yeah. thank you, David, for your beautiful reading on, on that, that sutta. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eloquent as ever. Michael. Hi, David. Uh, I promise not to be, uh, eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that for Julia. Um, I, uh, I actually like very much your presentation. I like, uh, uh, you have great knowledge and I also like the way you present. Uh, there's no holes in that, your whole presentation. Um, everything ran smooth, ran smoothly. And I, I can, I appreciate the, lo the logical manner by which you deliver it because I can understand things like that. Um, uh, a lot of right effort obviously went into your preparation, but throughout, throughout, uh, you know, your, uh, your talk, uh, it was right speech also and, uh, and, uh, and awareness also interwoven with the way you delivered your, uh, this, uh, the understanding of this, um, this sutta. Um, I, that awareness is very important because not only do you exhibit it as, you know, when you're teaching, uh, but it's also, you know, teaches us that like awareness is something that, uh, we have to be, we have to be conscious of so that we can discern, uh, the Buddha's, uh, intended message, uh, in his, uh, you know, uh, with his Dharma. Uh, I wanted to go back to, uh, again, I don't even know if you remember this, uh, but again, your dedication to what we're doing here uh, some time ago, I don't know, maybe a year ago, uh, you actually had sent me uh, an email, you know, and uh, a very short and uh, direct email. And it said, uh, um, the Dhamma meets us where we are, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that was that was actually very, you know, very good perspective yeah, for, uh, you know, Julie and I to uh, you know, uh, get from, from someone who's been there you know, in the Sangha and yeah, maybe it stopped me for a moment there and, uh, became part of my understanding of the Dhamma. The Dhamma meets us where we are yeah. every, as we're being, as we're un, you know, as life is unfolding before us, we don't have to look for the Dhamma. It's right there. If we'll just recognize, uh, in that moment of craving, that the Dhamma is there and that's the time for us to um, be, be uh, conscious and again aware of self-reference which is again this you know Jen and yourself took on this whole the whole mass of suffering here in the Four Noble Truths <laughs> you know and uh, both of you have been you know balanced beautifully uh, but again like the real message here is like you guys uh, lending understanding for us to how to uh, come and, you know, come to the understanding of the, the cessation of stress and suffering. Right. So that's what we're, we're trying to do here. And uh, I just want to point out that, again, bringing it back into the actual Dhamma is that that awareness of where self, you know, self-reference occurs uh, is independent origination. And that leads us 
we, we have to be at least aware of when we are, the ego self arises and self-reference in order for us to, to, to engage, you know, fully engage the eightfold path, which is a path of selfless selflessness. It's no self-referential uh, part of it. Because if there was, then it wouldn't be practicing the Eightfold Path as the Buddha had intended. But so basically, I just wanted to bring it back to that uh, again. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your your uh, uh, your concentration and your direct message. I can deal with that, and I like it very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. Michael, as always, you always present a master class. Oh, <laughs> you're too kind. <laughs> I think we just have Meg, our new friend. Meg, are you there? Hi there, David. Yes, I am here. Hi, everybody. Hi, Meg. Uh, uh, hi. I've had a hard time hearing because I have a bad connection, so I hope it's okay for you guys. But um, I just want to say that I feel so um, fortunate. Um to have found this sangha it's amazing the fact that you have six teachers is speaks to um the three jewels like nothing else right i mean being able to find a sangha like this is priceless so um and the fact that the students five students have become teachers I'm blown away by that, and um, and everyone has their own beautiful way of um, conveying these jewels of dharma, and um, and then hearing from everyone in the group is priceless as well. And so I just want to say thank you for being here and I'm just feel so um, blessed to have come across this by accident, <laughs> you know, just while just because I was looking for information and, and john also I want to say to you, um, thank you so much for um, clarifying um, the distinction for me between Dhamma and Dharma, I had hmm. no idea until I found this group and that there really was, there was a difference and that, and it, it, it actually helped me to see what the problem was for me and why I was having such difficulty understanding um, <clears throat> some of Buddha's teachings. So thank you so much. And that's all I have to say. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. Thanks for joining our Sangha. Mm -hmm. John, I think everyone, yeah. I think that's oh, it. We have to pay a compliment to uh, to our wise and venerable teacher. Uh, sometimes they say the best compliment to an artist is when you don't see their brushstrokes. And uh, John, you've you've done such a wonderful job of guiding us and you know giving us these teachings to further our own practice and share with others. And uh, I just I just can't thank you enough. I, it's just amazing what you do for all of us and uh, I, I just it's so wonderful this is this is the most priceless jewel of the Sangha of, of the three jewels as the Buddha method is the Sangha and uh, that's that's thanks to your leadership
wise teacher. Thank you. You're trying to make me cry again. Yeah, nope. thank nope. you, John. I almost did it. Well, listen. Um, so I almost did. I almost did right there. I, you know, I can get there. Let me You're, go a little more. <laughs> yeah, and John? but a teacher, John? a teacher's nothing without uh, students. And you're all finding that there's a line that has nothing to do with Buddhism, but there's a line in the uh, in the Course in Miracles that said it says we teach what we most need to learn, and that's just another good example of the Dhamma, isn't it, and how this works? So, uh, Mike, I'm sorry. No, John, I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to mention uh, uh, that was uh, very very good of you, Matt, to 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 uh, acknowledge that uh, all that John has has done. Uh, it's ob it's the obvious, but. Uh, also, uh, John, uh, uh, I, I agree with, 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 uh, Kevin. with, I'm sorry, Kevin, <laughs> you know, it's, when Matt's not here, I miss him so much. So he's <laughs> on my mind. And, yeah, I know. I know. You can see that. But, um, he, he's not as good as looking as Matt. Yeah, right. <laughs> the radio voice. It's stuck with the radio. This is leading to wrong speech. John, uh, John, I just wanted to uh, say, you know, thanks again. Uh, also, uh, we know you've gone through some, you know, some things lately. Uh, and a lot of times that, that cow reference comes up. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I don't know if anyone, you know, uh, I think when you when you mention that, that cow reference, like it's kind of like sends like a jolt through the room, like, you know, reality and impermanence. Right. It's like, you know, so. Um, uh that's the way I feel anyhow, and I'm, I'm sure that there are others here that uh, could relate to that. But I like to think, whether I'm right or wrong, or whether this is Dhamma or you know, not, I'll, I'll step to the side of it. But uh, I hope you don't go anywhere for a long, long time, bro. Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, I'm definitely clinging to the idea that you are going to conquer this whole impermanence thing. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Don't, don't let it down. <laughs> The uh, I mean, it's true. The cow is always chasing every one of us, and I I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. But um, when I see something like this, you know, the the teachers that have developed, it won't be so bad when I go because this this sangha in the in the Buddha's Dhamma is in good hands now. It really is. Uh, and this whole idea came from an online student. I can't remember who it was now. They're not no longer part of the sangha, but somebody just put it into my head. A few years ago, said they, they were just blunt about it. So who's going to take over when you're dead? And I guess that was a reference to my age too. But I I never really thought too much about it. But then we had a Matt and I had a talk, and we decided well, let's get a teachers training together, and uh, we did it. And this is the result of it. You know, so I, pretty soon we're going to have more teachers and students. But we'll we'll see how that how that works out. <laughs> Um, again, thank you all for uh, participating, letting me be a part of your Sangha. Uh, just, just another remarkable retreat, uh, like all our classes are. The um, Jen and Julia's flowcharts are on the uh, retreat webpage, along with the Dependent Origination Four Noble Truths flowchart that we have in the center and bring on, on retreat. So you can take a look at that. Uh, I'll have those, the rest of the talks. I think I just have one or two more to upload. So the whole retreat will be online. Uh, should be by the end of today, if you want to listen to it again. And then just a reminder that we're the um, in today's newsletter, uh, it, it announces that we're going to start the Truth of Happiness uh, Structured Dhamma Study on Tuesday, and we'll be continuing it on Thursday. In other words, Tuesday will be uh, 
you'll read the introduction and the first chapter before class. Uh, the, and the instructions are in the newsletter and also on the website. So we're doing it a little bit different than we've done in the past, but that's really it. You, you will read the, the chapter for the week, um, and then we'll discuss it. I'm going to give a general talk on the chapter, but I won't be reading anything from the book this time through. So, uh, I think John, did you mean to say Thursday or Saturday? Oh, yeah. I, again, I, this is it, it's clear on the website. Thursday, we started the Truth of Happiness last week with class one. And we're going to be doing one class a week on the, on the Thursday group. But the Tuesday and Saturday classes, we're going to run, we're going to do two, two classes each week. So I hope that's not too confusing, but, um, and, and I think there's, there's a, now the reason for that isn't all that important. Um, One thing I have, John, yeah. when you're, you, mute, you want to mute your mic or you don't have to, Hey, uh, Josh, close your eyes and think this is Matt talking. Um, <laughs> as, as our Sangha uh, often does with, uh, retreats and, uh, throughout, we, we support our teacher and these teachings and the Sangha as best we can. And that's, expressed in the Dhamma as Donna. It's a gener- an expression of our generosity, and um, we all know how that can be done through, our, through, through the means necessary to support John. So if there is uh, that available, please find that generosity uh, for these teachings. And everything. Thank you. Thank support. you for bringing that up, Kevin. You always do that. And, and, I, and, I, and I have to say, you've all been... You're coming to tears again. <laughs> You've all been incredibly generous with me. I just can't get through a retreat without crying. <laughs> uh, and I, it, none of it's lost on me either. I, I so appreciate all of it. Um, but even more so, it's just, you know, I said it, this will be the second time for letting me be a part of your sangha. Uh, means everything to me. Uh that's enough. <laughs> Thank you for a wonderful retreat. Check out the, the newsletter and the instructions for our upcoming uh, Dhamma study. Again, they're in the newsletter and they're on the webpage. Uh, and I'll get this these talks up soon. So, Peace, everyone. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you, John. See you all. Love you guys. Love you guys. Love you. Uh, love you, love too. you Josh. Love, love, you, love, you, love you too, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Grandpa. <laughs> all right. John, have a good evening. You too, Mary. Thank you for all you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. We'll see you Tuesday. All right. Be good. I'll see you Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday we'll- Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.